Lord to that day, say amen this morning. We're glad to see you. Thank you for coming out. James is going to lead us to the throne room of grace. Uh, let me give you two quick prayer requests. Continue to pray for Brother Robert Turner. I know you have been. Continue to lift him up. He remains in CCU at Martinsville. And then Brother Billy Whitlow just got put back in CCU uh, after his appendix rupture. He's having a really tough time, folks. The Lord's going to have to intervene and touch him. Pray for him. Pray for Shannon, the other family that's there. I know they'd appreciate it. Let's ask God's blessings on our services today. James, take us to the throne room. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to be here. Lord, thank you for this building that you provided for us. Lord, thank you for allowing us all to get here this morning safely. Father, we thank you for the great salvation that you've given us. Father, we thank you for your son and what he did for us. Father, we thank you for the Bible that you've given us and the, and the truth that you've preserved for us. Father, first of all, we pray, Lord, this morning that you would help all of us to uh, turn our hearts and our minds toward you, your son, and your spirit. Father, help us to think on what you have done for us, to meditate on it, and to praise you for it. Father, we also pray that if any here have never uh, trusted in Christ as their personal Savior, Father, we pray that today that, uh, that today would be the day of their salvation. Father, we love you because you first loved us, and it's through your Son we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Pray for the choir. Love this old song. Preacher friend of mine wrote it. I hope it will bless your heart. It's under the blood. You listen now as the choir sings. Satan, he came by my side, making me feel low. He brought up thoughts of hurt and pain when I had gone astray. He wanted to discourage me as I walked along my way. He said, you're undeserving, because I know where you've been. I have a record of your life, and you were bound by sin. I know your darkest secrets that you would never tell. What makes you think you don't deserve a place with me in hell? I heard the old accuser, and this was my reply. You're right for all the things I've done. I sure deserve to die. My righteousness is filthy rags. My goodness is unclean. There's only one thing I can say to what you said to me. It's under the blood. Oh, Christ is your name. I'm not what I used to be. My life has been changed. Not shackled by sin and shame. It's already his reply victory was given you when you were born again and I washed your stained and sinful past I put new life within no longer do you bear the marks that sin had brought your way with happiness and peace of mind praise God you now can say 
Amen. We'll do one more for you this morning. First song Kyla ever wrote, she said, I hope this blesses your heart. Aren't you glad this morning that whatever you face, you've got a heavenly father who's willing to talk to you about it. You listen now as the choir sings. I hope it blesses your heart.
you so much, choir. Appreciate that. Quick announcements before our little ones head out. Choir practice tonight, 445. You all know about that. Uh, uh, just keep that on your radar. Today is the final day we're continuing to collect for our needy family. All those items, please put in Pastor Ken's outer office, if you would. We appreciate your help in that. And again, uh, that family's got uh, two uh, uh, young boys, uh, 19-month-old, 36-month-old, uh, needing with high, high children's clothes, pull-ups, things like that. I mentioned to you several times, this is the family that took in these children so that they would not have to go into foster care. So please help us out with that, if you would. And then I want to remind folks, if you're not receiving announcements and uh, updates on our call system, uh, if you'll put your name and information there at the bottom, we'll be sure to include you in that if you'd like to have that information. Now, before we have the little ones go out this morning, I want to do our Sunday School Awards. This is from our winter quarter. We always like to be able to reward these youngsters uh, for their efforts in Sunday School. Each of the classes has a point system that they set up, and uh, then we're always glad to reward the kids accordingly based upon uh, these point systems. So we'll start with our youngest class. Uh, we got a tie for first place. Uh, each of these youngsters gets $10, enough to pay for a Happy Meal at least. Uh, Jace Martin and Ryder Nelson, come on down, boys. Come on, come on, come on, guys. There you go, Jace, right there, buddy. Good job, big man. Smart, give it to mama. boy. All right. Then our next class, our next class, uh, here we go. Uh, we've got a third place, uh, uh, $10, Jake Turner. Come on, Jakey, come on, buddy. Quick, quick, quick. Second place, $15, Tyler Brown. First place, $25, Olivia Brown. Woo! Good job, Jake. Uh, good job, Olivia and Tyler. Good job, buddy. Keith, you got enough to pay for lunch today, big guy, between all three of them. And then for a prayer warriors class, uh, uh, third place, $10, Amber Roar. Second place, uh, $15, Cameron Gilbert. First place, $25, Peyton Horsley. Come on, guys. Quick, quick, quick. Hurry up. Run, 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 run. All right, Cameron. Jerker, just like your mama. All right. right. Right out of my hands. All right. And for our teenagers, we always put money in their accounts to help with teen conference. So, teens, if you would just stand when I call your name. Uh, this uh, We always do the top nine. Third place, $15. Kara Helbert, Rebecca Rohr, Brooke Rourke. Stand up, teens. Uh, second place, Bethany Craig, Landon Craig, D. Souter, $30 on your account. First place, $50 on your account. Michaela Carroll, Allison Kitzmiller, and Amber Martin. Stand up. Give these teenagers. Good job, guys. Appreciate you so much. Good job, guys. Thank you, as always, uh, for your participation and your faithfulness to Sunday School. Uh, and then I'm going to give you one announcement that's not in your bulletin. This is a, a big one. We're having this Saturday a uh, work day, Friday evening and all day Saturday. This is mainly for our men. Uh, uh, we got lots of work we need to do around here, and I won't go into all the details. We'll talk about it Friday evening. What time are we starting Friday, brother? 5 o'clock, starting at 5 o'clock, uh, and then Saturday starting at? Except seven. Amen. I should ask somebody else. Amen. <laughs> Friday, 5 o'clock, Saturday at 7 a.m., and we'll provide meals. Uh, we need able bodies, wheelbarrow shovels, mattocks, rakes, and uh, sound bodies, uh, weak minds. Amen. Uh, 
Lots of help we're needing on this, fellow. So if you can help us out with that, uh, we'd appreciate it. We'll put out the call announcement on that. Uh, lots of work we've got to get done. Again, we don't do the details. We'll do that Friday evening. But any, any part of that, you can help. You don't have to come both evenings if you can. If you can give us one day, give us whatever you can. We need your assistance. All right. All the little ones, if you're heading to Children's Church, Junior Church, come on. Make your way down. If you're visiting, they're going to collect any loose change you got. This is our Penny March. Uh, help support our kids and youth programming and ladies. Take off, young folks. my heart good to see all them kids go out amen i love it more we have the merrier and some of you are not smiling you can smile about the fact you're in here not there amen all right folks come on make your way down gentlemen if you would corbin come get ready to sing for us you mind the lord with your tithes and offerings thank you for your faithfulness to him again thank you for those that brought in the special easter offering that goes to our parking lot expansion project much of what we're doing this coming weekend is in part uh, to help take care of some of those issues. So we appreciate your faithfulness in that capacity. I'm going to pray. Corbin will sing for us this morning. Father, we are so thankful, Lord, to be in your house today. Lord, we say all the time, we surely don't take for granted the fact that our church doors are open. And Lord, that there are folks here ready to hear from heaven. 
And Lord, open the word of God and hear from the things of God. Bless now the offering. Bless Corbin as he sings. We'll praise you and we'll thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Some days you may lead me through green pastures Where my heart drinks in deep the water sweet And some days you may lead me through the desert And even then you're still the reason I can sing I am blessed beyond measure, so far beyond what's gained through earthly treasure. Whatever comes my way, still my soul can say I am blessed and I am pains and disappointments when it seems that I have nothing left you will never leave me nor forsake me I will testify until my dying breath I am
Amen. Let's stand together one more time. Hymn number 243 this morning. We'll have a time of fellowship. Victory in Jesus. Page number 
Amen. Jeremiah this morning, please. Chapter 18 in your Bibles. Jeremiah, chapter number 18. Request your prayers this morning. I'm sitting over there having an argument with the Lord. I don't know if you've ever argued with the Lord, but he usually wins over the direction to go this morning. And I uh, study and plan and put an outline together and commit it to memory. And then doggone if he doesn't just redirect me and I have to chuck the whole thing out. So Jeremiah chapter 18 this morning. Jeremiah chapter 18. There are beautiful images in Scripture that describe the relationship between God and his people. Images that are so familiar to us that we sing about them. We preach about them. We teach about them. We know that he's the shepherd and we're the sheep. We know that he's the father. We're the children. We know that we're the bride. He's the bridegroom. But I don't think there is an image that is as meaningful or as real regarding saved believers than this idea of he's the potter. And we're the clay. He's the potter. And we're the clay. Several years ago, my family and I had the opportunity to take a vacation with my parents. And part of that vacation, we went to a Caribbean island and to a, to a, 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 a real pottery. Frankly, I'd never been to a real pottery. I had read about them in preparation for preaching out of this passage at various times. But we hung out most of the day at this potter's house, at this pottery. And so many of the elements that, that we talk about with regards to pottery and what it's all about became very real as we watched this master potter craft vessel after vessel. He would take us from one room to the next explaining the process and explaining the procedure that had to be done and then as we walked into his showroom, there were all of these vessels aligning the wall. I was astounded when I recalled the fact that this junk of clay, this lump of clay, could become something so masterful, so spectacular that it would become his livelihood. As this potter reminded us, to get from there to there required the hands of a master potter the clay didn't get out of the ground onto the shelf by itself it required someone with extreme skill extreme knowledge who understood the value of a lump of clay where nobody else would see anything other than a mound of dirt let me say that again the potter looks at a lump of clay and he sees value the world looks at it and all they see is just old crud. But the potter sees what is and what can be. Read with me if you would please begin in Jeremiah chapter 18. Let's look at verse number 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise, and go down to the potter's house and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work 
on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. Father, thank you. For what we've heard already this morning, the songs that have stirred our hearts, made us ready for worship, made us ready, Lord, to to hear the word and to understand and take in the word that you've prepared for us today. Lord, you know my heart, you've redirected it. And so, Lord, I, I believe that when that happens, there's always a reason for it. Lord, whatever the reason is today, I pray that you would you would use this outline. This message to to be a blessing to whoever needs it most today. Lord, I pause for a moment and say thank you that despite my failures along my Christian life, you didn't throw the clay away. Lord, I I pause to say thank you, Lord, that you kept your hands on me. And Lord, you didn't chuck us aside when we mess up. In your service, thank you, Lord, that you don't throw the clay away. Lord, use the message today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I was saved as a youngster, seven days shy of being seven years old. That means I've been saved for 12 years. June the 13th, 1976 was the day the Lord saved me. I confess to you as a seven-year-old boy, there's much I don't recall. I remember the conversation with my Sunday school teacher, Margaret Turner. I remember her talking to the youngsters in the classroom about the need to be saved. And I, I remember very little beyond that, frankly. I don't remember all the details. I had not been someone who had wondered and done all kinds of horrible things as a seven-year-old child, but I was old enough to understand the fact that I wasn't saved and needed to be saved. And so the Sunday school teacher plowed the field, if you will. It was the Sunday morning message that I came forward to the altar. I'd been invited to the church by the grandson of the pastor. And subsequently after that, invited my family to church, and my parents got in and rededicated their hearts God used our family in many, many ways during those years. In the 41 years that I have been saved, I would sure love to tell you that I have lived a life that was always pleasing to the Lord. I wish I could tell you that I'd never messed up. I'd always been productive in the Lord's service. I wish I could tell you that I'd never walked away from my faith or turned away from the thing that raised me in the service of the Lord. But if the truth be told, there have been times where I failed the Lord and failed Him miserably. There were times in my life where I all but renounced my faith, walking away from the foundational truth on which I'd been raised. If I could give it, another, give it to you another way, there were times in my life where 
I let go of the Lord's hand, but I'm so glad he never let go of my neck. Amen. You know that analogy. If you've ever walked with a child across the street and on the other side he or she sees what he wants, uh, he's liable to take off running, uh, turning away from the parent that's got a hold of him. Uh, And though he lets go of the parent, the parent never lets go of the child. I think that analogy is beautifully represented in Jeremiah chapter 18. Despite the mars in my vessel, despite the flaws of my own life, despite my failures in my Christian service, there has never been a time, thankfully, where the Lord has taken the clay and chucked it out the window and said, I'm done with you. I am so glad that God is not just the God of the second chance. He's the God of the third chance, the fourth chance, the fifth chance, and as many chances as we need, he's the God of them. And I look back over my Christian life, and I think to myself, left to my own designs, I would have destroyed that vessel. But I am so glad this morning that he doesn't throw away the clay. As my family had the privilege of walking around and spending the day with this potter, this this passage came alive for me. If you're here today and you've been saved for any length of time, You can say just as I can, uh, you have failed the Lord, but he's never failed you. You've let go of him, but he's never let go of you. You've walked away from him, but he's never walked away from you. Uh, You have uh, 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 realized in your Christian life that though you have turned your back on him, he's never one time turned his back on you. So I want to look at this little passage this morning. I'll remind you that the message is for the believer today. If you're here today and you've never been saved, I would love to introduce you to this man we're talking about. The one who will change your life in radical ways you could never imagine, who will be the best friend that you've ever had, in fact, who loved you so much that he died to take away your sins. But for the rest of us, I want you to think back over your Christian life. I want you to think back to the times that you have failed the Lord And recall the fact that despite that, he's never failed you. As we preach the message, I hope you'll rejoice with me over this simple thought. Thank God he doesn't throw the clay away. Three things I want us to look at this morning. Number one, note with me the mission of the potter. What it is that the potter is seeking to accomplish. In setting about this task or this idea of creating a vessel, the potter's got one function in mind. One desire. Listen now. He wants to create a vessel that will bring honor to himself. He wants to create a vessel that will bring honor to himself. He wants a vessel that will reap profit, will be useful to others, but will be valuable to himself and will be something uh, that others can say, look what the potter has made. I'll pause just a moment. And say to you that verse number 6 gives us the singular application or the singular interpretation, I should say, of this verse. Verse 6 says, O house of Israel. We understand, church, that this passage is written with the nation of Israel in mind. God is referencing the fact that they have over and over again walked away from him and it was his responsibility, his allowance, his duty, if you will, to remake Israel in his own desire. Well, that is the interpretation. I do believe there's a New Testament application. 
You see, folks, when you look at the, the, the ingredients that a potter has to use, uh, you cannot help but think that we serve a mighty good God. What do you mean, Pastor? Understand with me that the ingredients that this potter uses is singular. To accomplish this goal, the potter must work with materials that leave much to be desired. What do you mean, preacher? Well, do you understand that this vessel starts out as a lump of clay? Clay is found under the soil. Put another way, the clay has to be dug out of the earth, has to be weathered before it is usable. In fact, the first place that this potter took us to was a room laid out with troughs with mounds of what just appeared to be dirt covered in water. He repeatedly said over and over again to the untrained eye, this just looks like a lump of dirt. Dirt that seems to be covered by water. But he says if you look closely, you will notice that sediment is rising to the top. In fact, what he said is this is called the weathering process. Before a piece of clay can be usable, before it can be placed on the wheel, there has to be a weathering process. He said you do not just dig the dirt. You don't just dig the clay out of the ground and place it on the wheel. It's got to be laid out. It's got to be moldable. It's got to be pliable. It has to be weathered. And that is a two-fold process, he said. First of all, he said it was laid out for six months covered with water. And he said every day he would come in with a ladle and scoop off the impurities. Cover it again with water. The next day, come in and scoop off the impurities. Cover it again with water. The process repeats itself day after day after day for six months. And he said the amazing thing is because that clay is submerged in water, it becomes pliable, becomes moldable, it becomes usable. He said, in fact, if you just dig the clay out of the ground, place it on the potter's wheel, you'll have absolutely nothing. But after six months of being weathered, not only do you have pure clay, you have softened clay, moistened clay, clay that can be moldable in the potter's hand. Can I pause just a moment? For every child of God that's ever been saved, you can say amen to this. When he found us, we were nothing but a bunch of useless, miry clay mired up in the soils of this world and when he dug us out he didn't get a whole lot I don't know about you but when he got me he didn't get much but thank God he did not see just the dirt and the crud and the mire that was there in the clay he saw what could become if he used us if he molded us thank God this morning that when he sees us he doesn't see us as we are but he sees us as what we can become his instrument is what he began to discuss next not only the ingredients of the clay, but his instrument. The potter that day gave us a very clear lesson in how to make pottery. He uses several instruments that bring the clay to where it is. Bring the clay to the point where it can be moldable in a potter's hand. The first instrument that he mentioned was a little shovel, what we might call a trowel. He understands that 
where the line of clay is. He knows where it is because he's an expert in it. And so he digs that clay out with that little shovel, uh, using it to, to pull it out of the earth. Uh, he said oftentimes uh, it's not an easy process. He's got to pickaxe his way around before he can dig it out. Uh, but in order to get the clay out of the ground, uh, there is some digging and some troweling and some pulling out that has to be done. And he said, interestingly, sometimes, uh, his words, uh, there are pieces of the earth that just seem to want to hold on to the clay, and he's got to really get in there and dig it out. I thought to myself, what a picture of lost sinners. What a picture for all of us. Uh, how well we remember uh, before we got saved, how the world was holding on to us, uh, how sin was holding on to us, uh, how the flesh was holding on to us. Uh, but aren't you glad the Holy Spirit didn't quit because it got a little bit hard? Uh, aren't you glad he got that holy word uh, and dug it out and picked its way around uh, so they could scoop us out of the miry soil of this world? After the shovel, he mentioned the mallet. This was the piece that, frankly, I was intimately unfamiliar with. I knew nothing about this. After this potter led us out of the weathering room, he led us into a different area. My expectation was uh, that it got pulled out of the clay, placed on the wheel, and he started working. But he said after he pulls it uh, out of the six months of weathering, uh, he has to lay it on a wooden table and do the second process of weathering. A process, frankly, that I was very unfamiliar with. He went to his workbench and pulled off a wooden mallet, and simply took the clay and began to pound it, began to beat on it. Several folks began to ask questions, and they said to him, Sir, what are you doing? What's the purpose of this? Why are you pounding and beating on the clay? I was astounded by his answer. He said, Even though the clay is moist, even though it's pliable, even though it's pure now, the, the sediment has been removed, uh, there are undoubtedly air pockets and air bubbles uh, that if I don't remove them, they're going to produce a weak spot. He said, once you've been doing this for a little while, you begin to realize that these air pockets and these bubbles uh, will crack on the wheel, uh, so you do everything you can uh, to pound them out, uh, to get the weakness out of them, uh, so that uh, man, when it gets to the potter's wheel, uh, it's a piece of clay that is truly moldable in the potter's hands. Can I pause a moment, say to you, I could not help but think of the trials that God's children have to go through. The difficulties that we have to face. Uh, can I pause a moment and say the pounding of the mallet is not painless. It's a painful process. Getting there's bubbles, if you will, those spots of weakness out of us uh, is difficult. Uh, but may I say to you, when he does it, uh, he's got a piece of clay that's more usable, uh, more moldable. Uh, in fact, uh, it can be more crafted in his hands because it's a stronger piece uh, without those air pockets, without those bubbles. I'm reminded of what Job said about being tried in the fire. Some of you know this passage and you know it well. Similar to clay, gold when it comes out of the earth uh, is not pure. It's got to be heated up. It's got to be fired several times. Uh, and daily uh, the goldsmith will pull off the impurities. Uh, it's only gold uh, when the goldsmith can look over and see his image glowing back at him. I think much the same process happens in the hand of the potter. He knows the clay is ready uh, when the spots of weakness are gone. He knows the clay is ready uh, when the mallet's been pounded uh, and there's a pliability to it that only happens uh, because of the mallet. 
I'll say again, we don't shout about the storms. We don't praise God for the difficulties. We don't celebrate the trials that we go through, but would you listen carefully? It's the storms, it's the trials, it's the difficulties that make us available for God's service in His hand. There's the mallet. There's the shovel or the trowel. And then He led us to the third room, which was the part of the clay-making process that I knew about. He sat down and took a piece of clay out of the water, took a piece of clay that had been pounded and molded somewhat, and he placed it on top of a large wheel. Interestingly, there wasn't one wheel, there were two wheels. A wheel at the top and a larger wheel at the bottom connected by a shaft. Again, a wheel at the top, a shaft, and a larger wheel at the bottom. When you're looking at the top wheel, you would almost think that wheel is spinning by itself. But a close examination lets you know that it's the potter who's spinning the wheel. It's the potter who's controlling it. It's the potter who with his foot uh, is controlling the speed uh, and the direction uh, of the wheel. In other words, uh, everything that's about to happen to that piece of clay is controlled uh, by the potter. And I pause a moment and say sometimes... Doesn't it feel like life is spinning out of control? You don't have to say amen to it. I know you've walked that while a few times. Every once in a while it feels like uh, that you're spinning uh, and spinning uh, and spinning one storm after another. Uh, you're only spinning uh, and it seems like the faster you go, the crazier things get. Uh, may I say to you this morning, uh, you're only spinning as fast as the potter allows. Uh, and here's the best part of it. Uh, at no point uh, does the potter ever take his gaze off that clay. I was astounded as he talked to us. He never once looked at us. You know why? His eyes were on the clay. He was giving us a running commentary of everything that he was doing, but at no point did he take his eyes off the clay. In fact, what astounded me the most was the simple reality that the most important instrument wasn't the shovel, it wasn't the mallet, it wasn't the wheels, but the most important instrument of all was the potter's hand. The most important instrument of all was the potter's hand. In fact, not only did he keep his eyes on the clay the entire time, he kept his hands on the clay the entire time. Someone in the audience even asked him, why are you always keeping your hand on the clay? Uh, his answer astounded me. I should have known it, but I never thought about it until that day uh, when he said, if I take my hands off the clay, uh, this entire lump will go flying right off this wheel. Listen, he said, the only thing that's keeping this clay stable is my hand. Amen. We ought to stop right there and shout for about 30 minutes. The only thing that's keeping this clay stable, he said, is my hand. If I take my hand off of this, he said, uh, this clay will not only not be usable, uh, it will be splattered all over the wall and I'll never be able to pick it up again. Can I, amen, can I pause just a moment and say thank God he doesn't take his hands off the clay Thank God, even when the storm is raging uh, and the wind's pounding uh, and the water seems to be coming in your vessel, thank God uh, he never takes his hand off the clay. Then there was a fifth ingredient. 
that he used. A fifth instrument. There's the trowel, the shovel. There's the mallet. There's the wheels. There's his hands. And then over and over and over, he kept dipping his hand into a bucket of water. Interestingly, he would take his left hand and hold it while it was spinning, take his right hand, uh, dip it in water. Uh, and I used to always think that, 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 that the potter uh, would just coat his hand in water. Uh, but in fact, what he would do was pick it up, scoop it, and pour it down on the clay. I was the one who foolishly asked a stupid question. Uh, I thought I knew the answer, but I wanted to hear him say it. Uh, I said, sir, uh, why do you have to keep putting your hand in water? Uh, he looked at me and said, without water, the clay becomes dry. He said, in fact, the way that it is spinning dries it out even more. He goes into the centrifugal force and how it's drying out, and I didn't get any of that. I just noted the fact that he kept taking his hand, uh, putting it in water, and pouring the water over the clay every few seconds uh, he'd pour some more uh, he'd pour some more uh, he'd pour some more uh, in fact what he said was without water the clay is useless can you let that soak in a second without water the clay is useless can I pause a moment and remind everybody, if you've been here any length of time you've heard me talk about this but water uh, is a beautiful picture of the work of the Holy Ghost of God Water is a beautiful picture uh, of the importance uh, of having the Holy Ghost dip down into his bucket and pour it upon our lives uh, while his hand is on us. Uh, he's got to keep us wet with the Spirit of God because otherwise uh, we're useless and unpliable. So we watched. It's very slowly, very slowly, the potter sat down, kicked his shoes off, <laughs> and began to Spin that wheel. Taking his hand. Dip in water. Over and over and over. The mission of the potter is to create a masterpiece. I go secondly this morning, not only the mission of the potter, but the ministry of the potter. You see, the potter wants to make sure that the vessel is beautiful, wonderful to behold, and he does everything he can to accomplish this. He, he does all the prep work that he can do. But every once in a while, there is still a problem with the vessel. Every once in a while, there's still a problem with what he's crafted. It might be a weak spot. It might be a bubble that didn't get pounded out. But even, listen now, even in the potter's hands, things can go wrong. We had the privilege of watching that. It wasn't pretty to behold. In fact, it really makes this passage comes to life. But we watched as the intensity of the glaze of the potter changed. He's communicating with us, keeping his hands on the vessel the whole time, but suddenly he stops. He's not talking to us anymore. And with great intensity, his eyes are on the vessel. And because the clay is in his hand, because he's done this so many times, uh, he's instantly able to recognize when there's a problem. And we watched him do what we thought was unthinkable. 
even after spending all of this time to get that clay ready, uh, even after wetting it and doing all that he needed to do, we watched him as this, this what appeared to be a very large vase he was crafting. Uh, as he watched it unfold, uh, he stops, puts his hands on top, and mashes it all back down. There were many of us who went, oh, why would you do this? Why would you spend all of this time creating this vessel? It seemed to be almost ready to go into the fire and kiln. Why would you do this? And he looked at us and instantly said, Do you see what happened, folks? I could feel the weak spot. I could feel where the problem was. And I knew if I listened, he said, If I put that in the fire, it would crack and bust. So I shoved it down. And he looked over and said, And now... I'm going to start over again. He said, I recognize that this piece of clay, it can't be a vase. But it might be a bowl. Might be a cup. Might be a saucer. He said, it, it isn't what I started out for it to be, but I'm not done with it. Amen. <laughs> he said, it's not what I originally intended for it to be, but I can still use it. And so he starts all over again. He slowly starts spinning that wheel. He dips his hand in one more time. Pours it in and starts that process all over again. May I pause just a moment and say, circumstances of our life often redirect our pathway. You know that. You get it. Some of us have walked it many times, trials, tribulations, issues that we've dealt with. Uh, we're going this direction and suddenly something smacks us in the face uh, and we have to redirect. Uh, we end up on a very different pathway. Uh, but aren't you glad this morning uh, that though you have to be mashed uh, and though you have to start over, uh, thank God he does not pick the clay up and chuck it aside. Problem with the vessel. And there is the patience of the potter. Potter made a statement. I actually wrote it down when I got back to the room. He said simply this. Even though the clay was misshapen and deformed, he said, I've put too much in it to throw it away. <laughs> he said, by the time this clay gets onto my wheel, it's had at least nine months of weathering. He said, I've done too much work. I've put in too much effort. I've put in too much time to just pick it up and throw it away. I may have to redo it half a dozen times. His words were, but I've put too much in it. I will never give up on this little piece of clay. Amen. How much of our society today is littered with people that the church gave up on? How many of us have family members that are used to be, they used to be in church, they used to do the things of God, they used to be in love with the Lord. Uh, would you listen to me today? Uh, the world might give up on them, uh, the church might give up on them, uh, the family might give up on them, uh, but if they're a child of God, he's got too much invested in them uh, to throw them away this morning. The ministry of the potter. And then there's number three, the message of the potter. Verse number six is a staggering statement. Speaking to the nation of Israel, 
Jeremiah writes, Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. There is, number one, a message of control. You understand that the potter has absolute control over what becomes of the clay. It's in his hand to determine the future of that clay. The clay does not look up and say, hey, I'd like to be a vase. Or I'd like to be a cup. The clay clay has no voice in it, uh, but it is uh, the master touch of the potter uh, who feels the clay and knows what the possibilities are. What a message to the people of God. You understand, folks, it's not up to us to tell God what we're going to do. It's up to God to tell us what we're going to do. We're His, after all. He pulled us out. He rescued us. He saved us. We're in His hands. And there is, most importantly, a message of compassion. Message of compassion. Understand this morning that the potter is always willing to remake that clay. In fact, what he said was a staggering statement to us. He said, until that clay finds its way to the shelf and becomes a masterpiece, I'm not done with it. (laughs) He said, until it brings me what I need, I'm not done with it. Until it gets to the point uh, where where I can use it uh, and it brings honor to me and I'm proud of it, I'm not done with it. What a message to us this morning, folks. I'm afraid the Baptist church seems to delight in shooting its wounded. We specialize in kicking people when they're down. God help us. May I pause a moment and say, if God doesn't throw the clay away, who are we to chuck it aside? If God is willing to reuse a vessel and willing to remake a vessel and willing to reimage a vessel, who are we to say there's nothing left to that clay? There's a song of yesteryear that we used to sing that simply says, Thank God, or I bless the day he didn't throw the clay away. I close this morning by asking you to do a simple thing. And I want you to get Corbin's song ready again for invitation. I close this morning with asking you to do a simple thing. Think back over your Christian life. I don't often talk this way, but think back to the times that you have failed him. Think back to the times where you've let go of his hand. And celebrate a little bit over the fact that he didn't let go of you. Celebrate the fact that he, though he found weakness in the vessel, never took his hand off the clay. Stand to your feet with me this morning. Corbin, come get ready to sing that same song, buddy. Nobody's looking now. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Corbin's song that he sang this morning just says, I am blessed. In your relationship with the potter, you've got to say the same thing. God's been mighty good to you. Blessed you in ways that you never thought possible took care of you in ways that you never imagined he would. That describes you this morning. Before Corbin even sings another note, I want you to step out, make your way to this altar. 
and just thank him for how good he's been to you. I'm going to ask you a second question. Is there anyone here this morning that would say, Preacher, I'm saved, but we're having one of those bubble moments. We're having one of those moments where we're having one of those moments where it seems as if everything is pounding around us. Storms are raging all around us. Pray for me. Anyone like that? Boy, I'm seeing a lot of hands. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Step out right now. Come on, make your way to this altar right now. Come on this morning. Come on right now. Third question. Is there anyone here? This will be the last. Is there anyone here that would be honest and say, Pastor, I'm not even saved. What I need most of all is to become clay in the potter's hand. Pray for me. Anyone like that? Pray for me. Father, thank you for the attention of your folk today. Lord, our altar is full of folks who are wanting to be clay in your hands. Thanking you for how you've blessed them. Bless the invitation. In Christ's name. Sing it, buddy. I've had many tears and sorrows. A lot of questions about tomorrow. And there have been times I felt so But in every situation, God gave blessed consolation and proved to me that I am His own. Through it all, sing it, son. I've been a lot of places, and I've seen so many faces, and there have been times I dismisses in prayer fellowship with each other this morning thank you for coming today brother carl most kind and gracious heavenly father we just want to come to you this morning thank you 
Thank you for loves. Thank you for dying for us. And God, thank you for not throwing us away. As we reflect back on the times that we failed you, there's so many. But we can look and you've never failed us. God, this morning I just want to tell you I love you. God, there's one here this morning that doesn't know you. God, I pray that they accept you before it's everlasting too late. We don't have the promise of tomorrow. But God, they've got that opportunity right now that they can become part of that clay that you'll never throw away, that you'll always work with, that you'll always take care of. God, we just beg that this morning if they're here, they not walk out that door lost. God, we just thank you for the for our pastor. God, we thank you for the message he brought this morning. God, we just ask you that you'd always help him to heed to your word. God, sometimes we know he studies and you change the thought, you change the message. But God, we're so thankful that he listens to you. That he goes by what you want instead of what he wants. God, we just ask that you'd be with the many that are sick this morning. God, we know that there's lots in our church and lots of people that are, have needs. But God, we know that you're the, you're the need taken care of her. God, we just ask that you'd take care of each need that you have. God, we just ask that you'd be with us tonight. Just ask that you'd come in and bless again. In Christ's name.